Hi, everyone, and welcome to the CX Cast, where we cover all things experience. I'm Adele Sage, co-host of the podcast, along here, as always, with Angelina Jenis. Hi, Angelina. Hello. Today, we have a special guest who is not from the customer experience research team. She is actually from the security and risk research team, and we're very excited to have her come and talk about a hot topic these days as more and more companies are thinking about returning to the office and planning for it. She is an expert in, among other things, vaccine passports. So welcome, Enza Yanapolo, a senior analyst on the security and risk team. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. If you could please, since you are a new guest to the show, could you please tell everybody about your role at Forrester and what you cover from a content perspective? Sure. So um, as you said, I'm a senior analyst on the security and risk team. And I, my primary coverage area is privacy. On one side, I spent the last eight years developing research into compliance with data protection rules. I imagine a lot of the people that are listening to these are probably familiar with the general data protection regulation, the GDPR that we have in Europe, but there is plenty of privacy regulation coming up all over the world. And so we cover that. I cover that as part of my research. But also we, um, health organization, really use privacy as a strategy to build competitive differentiation. It's about the way you talk to your customer about your data practices. It's the way you deal with your employee data. Uh, and all of these, of course, is about transparency, but also it's about trust. And it's about make clear commitment with your customers, your employees, about the things that you will do with data and the stuff that you are not going to do with that data. So it, it's very much into that trust space. I also cover digital identities and I, I cover some topic of risk management. Now, pandemic management is, in fact, one of the topics within that broader area. Makes sense. Great. So how do vaccine passports fit into the, the larger pandemic management coverage? Great question. It's, as you say, is a hot topic right now. Throughout the year, we have developed research to understand how employees were feeling around the world about the pandemic and all the measures that were put in place in society in general, but also in their workplace. Most of the employees that then found themselves working from home didn't have any experience with that. They experienced a number of technical issues, sometimes even the lack of a place in a house to actually work in a way that is productive and that is engaging. So we have been exploring all of that. And from an employee perspective, we also know the last time that we tried properly in September, one of our surveys says that about in September 2020, 30% of US employees said that they cannot wait to go back to the office. And about a similar amount said the same in Europe. So we know employees want to go back to the office, probably flexible policies, probably in different ways than in the past, but they want to go back to the office. Employers want to bring also their employees back, but they want to do that in a way that is safe. And so vaccine passports could provide a way for employers to make sure that they are bringing in their employees, they are bringing back employees into their premises, offices, plants, whatever it is that they work in, in a way that is safe. Fundamentally, we are thinking that on a general idea, these vaccine passports are mainly digital documents. It might be also paper ones. So, for example, the Danish COVID pass is also available on paper, but generally are digital documents that should prove 
immunization, should be a proof of an individual immunization. This was the more general sort of idea initially when, you know, with vaccine rollout, a few of these initiatives started to come up. But in some cases, for some of these initiatives, there are both government-led and privately-led, so it's a mix of different things, and, and you can have different approaches to it. But there are some vaccine passports, for example, that would also contain information about a negative COVID test. There are others that say, yes, we also contain negative COVID tests and also from rapid testing. This brings important question because, again, some rapid COVID tests are not as accurate as, uh, you know, of the other testing options. So mm-hmm. it's work in progress, even in terms of the definition, is uh, there are different nuances to it. But fundamentally, is digital tool to prove that you are potentially immune to the virus. I think the passport in and of itself could be problematic. So it's dependent on the policies that go alongside that passport, right? So how are we supporting employees if we can't let them into the office because we are asking them to be transparent about their condition going into the office? Have you seen any policies to ensure that the employee is comfortable with these passports? What we have seen at the moment is a lot of planning. Because vaccination is progressing at a different speed in different parts of the world, there is a a different level of maturity and development of vaccine uh, passports being used in the workplace. But you are raising a very, very substantial point, which is how do we make sure that everyone is comfortable with this? But first of all, how do we make sure that an employee can trust their passport in the very first place? The passport would suffer of all the unknowns of vaccine. Even if I have a vaccine, can I still transmit the virus to someone else? If my body doesn't multiply, but can I give it to someone else? Pretty much an unknown answer. For how long that immunity is going to last? If I had my vaccine, you know, a few months ago, how long do I have that immunity for? So the vaccine passports will suffer of all these unknown. Also, and employers have to account for it. So it's not this magic panacea that is going to go all the, that is going to make all the complexity go away. And then we come to the specific issue of how employees are actually feeling. We know, for example, think about France, where actually the majority of employees are saying, I'm going to refuse the vaccine. But Germany is another country where there is a substantial part of the employee population that is going to say, you know, I'm not sure I want a vaccine. And so you need to make sure that everybody feels comfortable with that choice. And so what we recommend uh, is clear that if you are introducing vaccine passports to come into the office, so as a, a substantial way to say you are safe to come in, you are singling out people that for any reason don't have a vaccine or for any reason don't want to use your vaccine passport. There are security implications to that. You know, there are a number of reasons why an employee might say, you know, I don't want to use that. I put my identity into that digital passport, that digital app on my phone. I don't want it. And so what we say, first of all, if there are employees that simply say, I don't want to use the passport, just don't go farther than that. You don't want to know if they have any specific reason why they refuse the vaccine, because the more information you are going to collect and process is very, very likely this is going to be very sensitive data of your employees. If they disclose that they have a specific disease or they have an allergy, or they might have some kind of religious or other beliefs that, you know, and don't want to have the vaccine, you don't need to go into the details because those are all liability. So 
make sure that, those, that there are flexible policies in place for people fundamentally to feel comfortable to say, hey, I'm happy to use the, pass, the, the vaccine passport and I'm here and I want to go into the office. But if people don't want to use that, just give them an opportunity to say, I keep working from home. I was happy working from home. I prefer that option. Allow them to have that flexibility. And also, let's be very clear why there are, again, policies that have to come into place to make sure that you are deploying this sort of solution in a way that is legally, ethically, and privacy compliant. At the same time, in most places in the world, you can force an employee to have a vaccine. Those are free choices everywhere in Europe. You need consent for an employee has to say, yes, I want to have the vaccine. And in large parts of the world, it's like that. So even if you use a vaccine passport, this doesn't mean in any way that that should translate into, oh, I will ask everybody to get the vaccine. You can force them, please. You can encourage them. And we have seen to provide some extra time off to offer a vaccine. And they might be experiencing some side effects the day after, for two days after. Do, as an employer, all that support so that it is easy for them to actually go and get a vaccine. We also have data suggesting there are employers that are making plans to offer vaccination on site. So it's like flu cleaning or something like that. So it's very convenient for employees to get a vaccine there. They might have, they will have some medical staff available. Some companies have the corporate doctors. Some others will actually rely on third parties that are, again, trained properly to do all of that, to all the, the, the vaccine and to take care of any side effects, if, if any emerge. And stuff like that. So the fact that, you know, in Europe is about 30% of employers that are getting ready to actually offer vaccination on site. In the US, there is already experience doing that much more than there is in Europe with the flu vaccine, you know, the, the normal clinics that run seasonally. Uh, so there are a lot of things that can be done to encourage employees to get vaccinated. But there is no way that an employer forces an employee to get a vaccine. And again, using a vaccine passport doesn't imply in any way that actually you're going to force those employees to get a vaccine. All the country, if someone says, I don't want to use a vaccine passport, give them a policy, give them flexibility so that they can actually work from home if they prefer, work from another location if they prefer. And don't investigate too much. If they refuse the vaccine passport, that's enough for you to trigger a policy and to design a policy that is adequate. Try to understand how and why and those are liability that an employer, I'm sure, doesn't necessarily want to have. So if they are not going to require anything like using the vaccine passport or getting vaccinated, what is the use of the vaccine passport? Should a company even think about it if not everyone's going to use it and not everyone's going to get vaccinated? What's the advantage of using it in that case? So the use of vaccine passports is much broader than the workplace, first of all. So there are, for example, the International Association of Travel has created a vaccine passport to allow people on an airplane. And there are a few others that also have that purpose. So this is really to help on an airplane. There is a very small space. Um, then people have to say for several hours, clearly the potential to get the, the, the virus if someone has it is particularly high. So fundamentally, one of the main uses is on the you know, travel. And so uh, there are a number of uh, airlines that are already having pilots with a number of different vaccine passports. The hospitality industry is another that 
As a, but this is not an employee. As a customer, you may want to say, I want to go into a place where only vaccinated people are because the risk of that place becoming a virus hotspot is less. So there are a number of use cases. Now, an employer can still look at the option of a vaccine passport if um, that contributes to create a sense of safety. For example, if you have seen that in your, again, think about a survey of your employees, it has to be completely anonymized. No one is sharing any specific condition, but at least it will give you a sense of how much of my workforce actually had a vaccine. You know who they are, but for example, might help you just at that understanding a designing policy of going back to work in a certain location at a certain time. If you know, for example, that you have an office in Paris and actually you come up with a result that between 8 and 10% of employees have received the vaccine so far, you know, in that case, I think there is not much sense to say, oh, let me use a vaccine passport to allow people in because really you're not there yet. There are other places, for example, where the vaccination rate is much higher. And you can still use the passport as a way for people to feel more comfortable, to feel safer, those that want to share that information, that, you know, in this office or, or in this space, the risk of that space becoming, again, a virus hotspot is lower because there is this, this tool. The point that I really want to highlight there is that vaccine passports is not the end of your pandemic management. Thinking, oh, I have a pa- vaccine passport, so my problem are solved. I just, everyone that has to have these vaccine passports, they come in and we are safe. That does not going to happen. You still have to have flexible policies in place. Second, even with a vaccine passport, you might be thinking, oh, everyone is safe. So no social distancing, no mask, no other kind of sanitation. That wrong assumption, the vaccine passport comes with many unknowns. And so you still have to allow for social distancing. You still have to allow for uh, some protective equipment to be in place. Because, again, transmission might still happen. There are many unknowns about the virus itself. And so it's just one tool that you might use in your toolkit. But it's not the tool that is going to make everything else go away. Good advice for our clients listening. So... You've touched a bunch on the geographical differences already, but I'm I'm curious if we can talk about that for a little bit. One of my good friends is American, but married to a Frenchman. And she was telling me that it's very common there that you kind of walk around with your medical history in like a little booklet, if I understood her correctly. And that, you know, it has all of your immunizations and it has your doctor's visits and medications you've taken and things like that. And that's just like a, a normal accepted part of of life. And so thinking about having something like a COVID vaccine as part of that makes sense. But, you know, in the U.S., that's not something that we, you know, we, we have electronic health records that are associated with our, our medical providers and things like that, but it's not something that we own and carry around in the same way. So what I'm curious about is like these differences culturally from, you know, in different parts of the world in terms of acceptance of something like a vaccine passport. It's interesting that example about your French friend husband because it's true that in France or in some other European countries you might have records of your vaccination, but go and show that to your employer. It's something that normally you don't do. So there are aspects of your private life that are not for your employer to have visibility into. This is all very sensitive data. And I'll tell you just a, a fact. 
Uh, over the summer, we were dealing with track and trace. So those apps that would tell you whether you've been in contact with someone and potentially had the virus. And depending on where you went, they would be following you so that they could see who you met. Also, that was a tool that some thought was a good thing to have in the workplace. Again, European numbers, if I remember correctly, over the summer said that about 30% of organizations were thinking to use that kind of solution. But typically, these also included some medical screening questions. Which kind of temperature do you have this morning? Have you been feeling well? Is it someone is your, in your family feeling okay? All those questions for an employer to ask were very uncomfortable for many. And the regulator protection regulator in France said that if an employer wanted to collect even a single piece of information about an employee's temperature, that needed to be carried out by a third party with medical training. There was no way that employer could ask and collect and process data from their own employees wow. about this very specific medical information. So, yes, it's true that we have some records of our immunization and medical history, but to go and share that with your employer is just is another level of risk, is another level of complexity. And culturally, many might say, I would never do that. In the US, I found, yes, maybe it's just a different system. For example, I talked to my colleagues and they said, you know, we have flu vaccine clinics in the workplace. It is a common thing to have. Now, in Europe, it's not that common. Definitely, you know, Italy for France is not a common thing. Again, you have to refer to a third party, something that happens outside of your employer space. So how do we tackle that? Even, and I am completely honest, when I saw that about, again, 30% of employers in Europe are saying we are going to set up for vaccinating our workforce, you know, I was surprised to see that in many ways. If you are a first responders and so you work for the health system, then yes, your employer is going to initiate and manage your vaccination. But if you work for other kind of companies, you are not used to that. And so definitely important the cultural aspects, but also some of the details about some of the rules in place. Now, privacy was an example and over the summer, we counted over 72 different privacy guidelines about how you deal with COVID-related data collection and processes around the world. And so from an ethical perspective, a privacy perspective, even legal, there is a lot of complexity. So check your local requirements, check the local guidance from health authority, but also go and look into your risk management, privacy security to make sure that you are doing the right thing for the region you are in. So for a global company, that's incredibly complex to have to think about potentially 72 di different privacy regulations around the world and in, in their geographic footprint. We did provide on that a sort of blueprint. So there is a set of best practices when it comes to privacy that if you stick to them, you are in a good place as a starting point that would cover a number of requirements. It would be anyway a good starting point for then accounting for potential differences in different regions. But the reality is that actually the complexity of being a global organization and managing something like COVID-19 for your workforce, that complexity comes from the virus itself. Because the reality is that we are progressing when we didn't have the vaccine yet. And so we had to follow how the different waves of infection were evolving and where. And so the measure that you would use in an office were different than the measure that you were using maybe in another office. We have seen, for example, China coming out of this first wave earlier 
at the same time where Europe was in the middle of it and the US was just entering the phase. So has always been a matter of really following the virus in different regions. With vaccination, it's exactly the same, very different speed across region, very different number of people that want to have the vaccine in the very first place. And then, uh, of course, all the rules and the requirements. So it's complex. I think there's a responsibility of global companies that are trying to push forward with something like this to hire expertise and have it on staff to manage it properly. I mean, even schools, small schools have a nurse to help navigate medical information. So that's just the reality. If you want more information, you need more expertise to manage that information. Yes. And of course, having this person, having this health professional on site, if you're an employer, define very clear policies and says information that you might disclose to the nurse is not information that is going to be available to your employer. Be very clear on how that information is going to be used, who can actually access that information, which purpose you're trying to achieve, and also how long that information is going to be retained. We think often about the way employees trust an employer, and this is very important. In October, we did ask European employees what they were thinking about sharing their personal information with the government or the employers for pandemic management purposes, and this is medical information. They said, you know, largely they would say, yes, we agree that we need to provide that information. But over 60% of those employees told us we want the data to be deleted as soon as possible. So it's completely evident that the transparency with whom an employer is communicating about, yes, we have a nurse. You can take a vaccine here in our own space. But look, these are the things that I will never know about you. This is data that will never be used in any other way. And this is data that is going to be deleted as soon as possible. So that is very important to make people, once I feel comfortable with those initiatives, and so even if there is a medical staff on site, they know that there are boundaries. It's not my employer. That's something else. And then also imagine if I am a person that doesn't want a vaccine, and now there is this campaign going on in my office that actually say, yeah, you have to vaccinate, and they're encouraging people to vaccinate, I might fear that if I don't go and I don't have the vaccine, it means that maybe they are not going to give me a certain task or a certain job, or immediately they might be thinking that I am not the loyal employee. So those are risks that from normal distress, employees are all coming after a year or a number of challenges. And then you don't want to adapt to them thinking, or oh, am I going to be discriminated now because maybe I cannot have a vaccine or because I don't want to have a vaccine. So be very clear on this is availability of vaccination in, in the workplace or we are using a vaccine passport. But there are, if you don't want to, I mean, first of all, it should be anonymized. You don't know who is going to get the vaccine in the very first place. But be very clear how that is going to work. People that don't want the vaccine shouldn't fear that they're going to be discriminated, that they're not going to be promoted, that they're going to be trusted in the future. I think that clarity, clear communication is key. Providing very scientific information about the benefits and risk of vaccine is also very important. But then make sure that people have the right information and be clear on the things that you will not do with data relating to medical health or, or medical conditions. It's funny because you were listing off things where employees could fear discrimination. And I was thinking 
if my workplace wants me to come in and I don't want to, all I have to do is say, oh, I'm not getting vaccinated, so I can't come in and use that as a way to avoid coming into the office if I'm being forced to. So there's also that element of, of employees using it to their advantage if they want to not come into the office. But this is where there is no flexibility, right? right. If there is flexibility, then I shouldn't be lying or I shouldn't be disclosing personal information about myself to protect myself. I think there is very short-sighted. If an employer thinks that some employees are bluffing that way, go back to your policies because there is not enough flexibility if an employee needs to lie or if an employee needs to use such a personal thing to say, oh, I don't want to go back to the office. So it describes lack of trust if I actually have to lie because I don't want to come to the office. And it suggests maybe the policies are not fit for purpose. There is not enough flexibility or as an employer, you are really not getting the sentiment of your employees. And this has been a recommendation that we've been giving throughout. Ask your employees. And again, it doesn't have to be necessarily all the time my name and surname and identification number. Even just getting a sense of how employees are feeling, maybe in a certain region, maybe in a certain office, but provide them with an opportunity to, through anonymized survey, you can know how they are feeling. And also we encourage employer to provide third-party channels for really support at this time. There are some employees that maybe lost someone. There are some employees that are very worried that they have someone at high risk living with them. Or simply just the isolation might have been very difficult. Someone might have, a relative might have lost a job. There are a number of circumstances that might cause serious distress at this time. So we'd be encouraging, provide extra time off if an employee needs don't ask too much. If they are asking for some time off, just be trusting in the very first place. And then provide them with an expert channel. And usually there are third parties, companies that would be there to kind of provide a psychological support or uh, whatever is needed in a time of exceptional distress as this one. That all sounds like great advice. Thank you. That was Enza Yanopolo, Senior Analyst on the Security and Risk Team here at Forrester. Enza, thank you so much for lending your expertise today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Until next time.